It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. number two of Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. Hey, I am your host, Ashley Frasca. Really happy to be with you on a Bulldog Saturday. We are your home of the dogs. Keep it here for the tailgate show, the game, and of course, all the post-game coverage right here on 95.5 WSB for you today. Right now, I've got a guest expert with me on the show. Really happy to bring you people on Green and Growing here that are much, much smarter than I. And I met Lance years ago. He's been on the show with Walter Reeves um, a ton of times, over 26 years. Lance Walheim, author and garden expert with BioAdvanced. Hey, Lance, welcome. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? You're making your debut on Green and Growing, and I couldn't be more excited. I really appreciate you reaching out to me, and you've got so much to offer the listeners. So I wanted to let them know, too. I mean, you're garden knowledge and your decades in the industry too you've written books on different garden topics you've done talks you know you're an expert with bioadvanced and know all about their product lines what do you love most about gardening what's your favorite thing boy i've been gardening since i was a little kid as a matter of fact in one of in one of my books i have a dedication to my father who I don't know, I did something wrong when I was a young kid, and his punishment was for me to go out into the garden and work the soil and make sure everything was ready to plant the tomatoes. And ever since I did that, he had me going out and transplanting trees. I've just been enhanced or just love plants. I got my degree in botany from the University of California, and I moved into horticulture from there. Um, I just love to garden. I have a huge vegetable garden. I grow a lot of different roses out here in California. It's just uh, life reaffirming, especially in the days we're having now. I spend, get to spend more time out in the garden and get closer to nature. I love to have my kids out in the garden as yes. well. They're now gardeners. So I just love everything about it. I love your story there, Lance, because a punishment turned into a lifelong passion. And yes, I'm sure your right. father I was mean, so proud of that. Who would have known? Yeah, exactly. Who would have known? Well, it's really important for us to, I don't have children, but for us to really pass those traits and, and the knowledge and the passion along to the younger generations. And I feel like with the pandemic at the time that it struck, people in our industry were so excited once everything kind of settled in in April, May we thought this is really a good opportunity for us to teach people to be self-sufficient. They were more curious about growing vegetables. People wanted, um, you know, to liven up their home work environments when they're working from home by buying houseplants and things like that. So in this industry, we've really been blessed with a good opportunity, if you could say that, during a pandemic that we have allowed, you know, that's allowed us to introduce gardening to a much broader range of folks. And have you found that on the West Coast to be true as well? Oh, absolutely. People are spending more time in the gardens. They're getting back to finding out why we grow vegetables, the best flavors, the best varieties, and especially with the kids. It really gives you a chance to get the kids in touch with nature, get their fingers in the soil. And, and it's something that, you know, they find out where their food comes from, and, it, and it's something that sticks with them for, for life. So it's, it's just a great way to spend quality time with your kids and your family. I agree. I, I could not be more satisfied with that for sure. So we want to welcome folks to call with your questions for Lance, 404-872-0750. Not only just, well, what chemical can I use to treat, whether it's a fungus, a disease, a pest that's bothering you, not just that, but Lance is so well-versed, and we're going to get into cultural practices, best management practices of 
taking care of bugs, there is always, if not just one, maybe two or three steps that can be taken before you get to the point where you're using chemicals. But BioAdvanced has such a wide range of really good targeted products for, you know, whatever the issue may be. And I also want to, Lance, promote your book. I know it's been out there for quite a while, but something that's timeless as well. If people search for lawn care for dummies, that was you. That's you that wrote that. And that is a garden Bible of sorts, just for folks to really lean on that with some great information. So they can just Google that and find that, right? That's right. And I also worked on roses for dummies. So I'm the king of the dummies, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my wife calls me, anyway. (laughs) Oh, she's the only one allowed to do that. (laughs) Nobody else. So, no, I mean, and really talking about roses, too, or just anything, lawn care for dummies. I mean, really, that's kind of what, what this show is about. I wanted to take it a step back and speak to people who didn't have as much garden knowledge, such as myself. I mean, I've got, you know, years under Walter, which is I don't give myself enough credit so much that I've learned from him, but really just starting with basics. Yes, we've all learned from Walter for sure, and I was really glad to have him on just in the last half hour or so. But, um, you know, really starting from the basics and and making folks understand why things are and not to be intimidated by gardening. So starting with roses, Lance, I mean, what are just some of your basic... I know we had a caller earlier, and he dropped off about pruning knockouts, whether now was the right time or not, but what would you give just as maybe two or three very basic garden tips when it comes to rose care and being successful with those? Well, the first thing I think is really do some homework about which varieties you pick um, and choose varieties that are disease resistant and well adapted to your climate. You can go to Atlantic, Atlanta Botanic Gardens, local rose societies. Um, they'll all have recommendations, But the, and we're learning a lot more about disease resistance in roses, and that's why the knockouts are so popular. Make sure you plant in full sun. That's always important. Um, during dry periods, make sure they get a, a deep watering at least once a week because mm-hmm. um, they need that and fertilize regularly um, to make sure that they continue to bloom. And then when, if you run into any insect and disease problems, BioAdvance can certainly help you there with the all-in-one rose and flower care, which is a great way to control insects and diseases without having to spray. Yes, and I mean, like the all-in-one, you're absolutely right, getting rid of any diseases and and fungi that may be, you know, affecting the leaves and things. Why do you think knockouts have become, I think that just seems to be a tried-and-true go-to for less experienced gardeners. Why do you think that became such a popular variety of rose for most of us? Well, I think it it gave gardeners what they wanted. They wanted uh, the plants that were easy to care for, were going to bloom all season, Um, and they came along right at the right time. They really are easy to grow. And, you know, I think for a long time, rose breeders were looking for long-stemmed hybrid teas that, you know, really looked good in the vase. A lot of them lost their fragrance. And now we're looking for plants that fit better in the landscape, that actually can be worked in the landscape with perennial flowers. And I can really hold a garden for the entire season because they repeat bloom so well. And they don't need as much uh, cultural care in terms of insects. Well, insects they do. They can get insects. But diseases, for sure, they have great resistance. And that's, that's what gardeners want, something that's easy and rewarding. And, of course, Rose Rosette, we could have a whole hour just on that, Lance. But, of course, that's right. something that folks, unfortunately, have experienced. At that point, it's just probably best to pull them all out because that is pretty fatal. And we're still learning about that. But so one of the products, Lance, and I just mentioned, the Bear All-in-One 
uh, rose and flower care. That is one of the things that a staple that every gardener needs on your garden bench, especially for the spring and summertime and really best care for roses. Well, Lance, I've got so much that I want to talk with you about. We're going to talk about shelf life of any of these granular or liquid or bagged lawn fertilizers and other products that we may have that we just kind of found on a shelf three years old, like, hmm, should we use this or not? Um, Talk about proper planting for trees and shrubs this time of year. That is, like you said, we love being out this time of year, especially because there is so much to be doing. Pest control and a solution center that I want to share with folks who can go online and find answers to any of the questions they've got with this BioAdvanced Solutions Center. So, Lance, if you'll hang tight, we're going to take a quick break. You know, we've got to pay those bills. But uh, we'll come back with David and Tucker, Judy in Woodstock, David and Auburn. And you are welcome to call in with your questions for garden expert Lance Walheim, 404-872-0750. We'll be back on WSB. The weather update sponsored by Finley Roofing. And now you got to pay attention to this. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Going to keep things pretty easy for you. I know Thanksgiving is less than a week away. So number one, if you haven't already purchased various pumpkins of different shapes, colors and sizes for centerpieces, And you can pick up acorns and pine cones and maybe some colorful leaves that are left outdoors and start to bring those inside for easy, cheap decorations. Number two, you got to keep the bird feeders stocked. And now is a good time to put out suet feeders. That's a high energy food for birds and it benefits them greatly during cold weather and helps protect them. And number three, mid-November is the time to force amaryllis bulbs you may have had outside in the summertime or the ones that you're just buying. You know, they make really good gifts. They're already boxed up in a pot and ready to go. So if you have the bulbs from outside, place that bulb in a medium-sized container. You can either do soil or water. If you're going to do water, you just want the level to be up to the bottom of the bulb and put in gravel or something like that at the bottom. If using soil, the soil only needs to cover about the bottom two-thirds of the bulb. The top of it has to be sticking out. And then place the bulb in a sunny window. In six to eight weeks, you should have flowers. And you need to remember to keep that watered and maybe rotate it around as well while it's in that window. I'm trying to get better about posting the top three things to do in the landscape for whatever weekend it is on the Facebook page. If you haven't already, give it a like, give it a follow on Facebook.com. Search Green and Growing WSB. And there I post helpful tips, things you need to be on the lookout for, identifying different plants and pests and diseases, and also giving you advice on how to maintain those things and just sharing some fun garden stuff and stories and things that we like asking each other. So give that a like. And also websites that correspond with the guests of today's show. I can't stress it enough. GeorgiaTurf.com. That was Clint Waltz in the last hour. That website is by the College of Agriculture and Environmental Sciences, of course, at the University of Georgia. And we've got Lance Walheim with us. Follow along there at bioadvanced.com. 404-872-0750. David in Auburn, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning, Ashley. My question is, uh, in my garden spot, I took various soil samples Mm -hmm. from different places, and then I sent it off to UGA for an analysis. Good. And I got all the results back, and I was just wondering what would be the best way to apply these fertilizers um it's like 7500 square feet and i got acres an acre breakdown so i had to break all that down to get the the particular measurements of fertilizer that i need okay and And what what grass do you have is it pasture grass 
Oh, it's a garden spot. Okay. I'm just just for growing, you know, tomatoes, vegetables, regular vegetables, because I always get bottom rot, and I can't stand that because they're nice and pretty when they're green, but then they turn and they're gone. Yeah. So, Lance, we've got about a minute with David here. Uh, what would you recommend to really get that soil in tip-top shape for gardening? Well, I, it, he, you're looking for a way to specifically spread the fertilizer. Um, there are various types of hand spreaders that you could use um, as long as they have the proper setting for them. And you, can, you may have to um, kind of work over and get the feel for the things and how much it's putting down. Um, that's usually the best way to do it and get it out there evenly and then work it in really well. Is that the kind of question you have? Well, the, I guess I, I'm pretty sure, you know, what to use to spread it with, but mm-hmm. I guess my main question would be, how soon do I need to do it before I plant in the spring, and how long does it need to set? Well, it it depends on what exactly you're adding. Are you adding organic matter like uh, manures and things it's like gonna that? It's going to be fifteen zero fifteen, and then I need some zinc, and I need some, um, I guess I'm pronouncing it, manganese. Uh-huh, manganese, yeah. Well, I would but there's you, very low you, quanties on those two, so... Yeah, I would work it into the soil real good, and you should be good and ready to go. I, mean, I love makes- that. So, Lance, yeah, that was that was a very thoughtful question on David's part, kind of waiting, you know, to see if any of that needs to break down and just be in the soil for a few months before planting. So I want to get into a little bit more of that with you. We're going to hang tight, check news, weather, and traffic. Lance Walheim will be back on Green and Growing, talking about... Uh, chemical products, best cultural practices, though, product lines from BioAdvance. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing on WSB. A lot to get into on the show today, and I've been really excited to host this garden expert and friend of the uh, Lawn and Garden Show, and now friend of Green and Growing, Lance Walheim. Been around for a long time, and author of Lawn Care for Dummies. Welcome back. Thank you, Ashley. So we've got a lot to talk about, and I'm really glad we've got some questions, too. So in just a few minutes, Lance, we're going to tackle why knockout roses would have stopped blooming and some other things. But uh, you were listening to the show early on when we started at 6 o'clock, and I'm really glad you and I talked off the air about Mary Lou. She called with a pythium root rot, for those of you that remember. It was diagnosed by her landscape company in Zoysia Lawn, right? So this is kind of a, a root rot, a really terrible thing that can happen and in talking with her, I mean, I definitely didn't have the, the best advice and kind of reached out for experts such as yourself to give her a little bit better advice. But what I find interesting, Lance, is those of us that experience problems in the landscape, whether it is with grasses and lawns and turf or just our plants, I think our knee-jerk go-to reaction, and Mary Lou said it too, well, can I fertilize now? What What's going to strengthen this? What's going to get rid of this problem? So if you have advice for her on the pythium root rot, awesome, great. But also speaking to, like, why fertilizing may not always be the best solution for what we've got going on. That's absolutely correct. Timing is very important when it comes to fertilizing lawns, and we're past the time that you should fertilize warm-season lawns like zoysia grass or Bermuda. It is an ideal time to fertilize 
uh, cool season grasses like tall fescue. And as a matter of fact, it's the most important time. But, yeah, I went to the uh, Georgia Pest Management Handbook and looked, and they actually said that it was a combination of two things, the pythium plus the take-all patch. Hmm. The uh, bio-advanced uh, fungus control for lawns is labeled for take-all patch, so, and it can be applied in fall. Um, they also recommend that you avoid fertilizing, overuse of fertilizing, and have a very acid soil. So she may want to have her soil tested. That's why they told her not to apply any lime because a low low pH is better than a high one. And they also have a bunch of different cultural uh, recommendations to help prevent that disease or reduce it. Um, and then with the pythium, um, that is not on the BioAdvanced label, but the Pest Management Handbook recommends phosphoric acid okay. or phosphorus acid. And that's a little hard to find. You might have to Google it. Um, but that can be effective. And they also have cultural suggestions on how to reduce the impact of that disease. So that's really a good place to go to find out what to use. Thank you for that. And it does seem like best management practices, first and foremost, is always going to be your best defense against any kind of issue, whether it's a pest infestation, fungus, disease, anything like that, just doing things the way they're supposed to. And you've really got to keep into account, too, how much moisture there's been, how much rain, you know, if things are even planted in the right place, if they're getting the right amount of sunlight. That's exactly right. And with lawn diseases particularly, it's important to make sure that you're really fine-tuning your cultural practices because almost every lawn disease is either caused by improper care of the lawn or is made worse by improper care of the lawn. So if you're watering properly, if you're fertilizing properly, like we talked about, the take-all, if you over-fertilize, it's more, the lawn is more subject to these diseases. So make sure that you're, you go to Walter Reeves' website, yes. get on there and check out the lawn calendar and make sure you're doing things at the right time and at the right rate and mowing the right time. So those are all going to affect the diseases. But, you know, it goes across to all plants. The best way to avoid problems is to put the right plant in the right place and mm -hmm. then care for it properly. So you do a little bit of homework. Um, and that's, that's very true with, even with trees. When you think about trees, you know, they're the hardest working part of our landscape. They provide shade, they beautify our homes and neighborhood, they clean the air, prevent erosion, provide wildlife sanctuary. But also, uh, planting a tree is, is an act that shows you believe in the future. Um, and I, and it's, the conditions that we're in these days, I think that's a great thing to do. Absolutely, and this is the best time of year to be doing that for someone who's never planted a tree or gotten their hands dirty. Now is just as good a time as any, and the soil's a little bit softer. The air temperatures are great now in Georgia and along the East Coast where it's not going to have that summer stress. Um, so let's talk about basics there, Lance, about why now is the best time to plant trees and shrubs. Well, you said it. I mean, the trees get a chance to get uh, established over the the winter before they have to really face any of the warmer weather. So that's an ideal thing. You put them in in spring, you can do it, but you're going to have to pay very close attention to water needs and things like that. You know, when you're choosing a tree, it's so easy to kind of go into a nursery or garden center, see the tree in bloom or in fall color and go, that's the one I want. Mm -hmm. That's not a good way to do a tree. When you plant a tree, you're going to live with it for a long way, a long time. So you want to make the right decision and choose the right tree. Do your homework. Don't put it 
too big of a tree right next to the house or a patio. Don't put a messy tree next to the patio. And so I really, you know, recommend that people do their homework, go to the, you know, talk to people at the Atlanta Botanic Gardens or Trees Atlanta or the City Atlanta. Find out um, what's going to be the best tree in the situation that you have. And then consider energy conservation. If you plant deciduous trees on the east and the west side of your house, there's a chance you could reduce your air conditioning costs by up to 25%. So trees are hardworking tools. Use them properly, and you'll be happy, and you'll improve the property values. Big trees improve property values. And who doesn't want to enjoy wildlife? As you said, you know, habitats for birds and all kinds of things that we do want to attract to our landscape for sure. Exactly. All right, Lance Walheim with BioAdvanced and a garden expert on with me this morning, 404-872-0750. Want to talk about uh, shelf life of some of the products, just we as gardeners, if we don't go through something quickly enough, and it's been in the garage for years. Want to talk about that in just a moment, but a great question comes in from David and Tucker. Hey, good morning, David. Welcome to the show. Uh, Good morning. Uh, Yes, had a couple of questions. I'm always concerned about using three-in-one or all-in-one products and their effect on pollinators. Uh, I've heard that uh, the insecticide really gets to the flowers last, but that still um, causes me some concern. So if you could comment on that. And I've had some knockouts for about four years, and everything's been fine until this year. All four stopped blooming about June. I fertilized them at the appropriate time in spring, but I do not know what caused this. Hmm. How do the roses look otherwise? There are a few leaves that look like someone took a piece, you know, a little scissors to them, but overall they look fine. And so you're not getting any buds that are falling off? You're just not getting any blooms at all? Right. How did you prune them last year? Have you pruned them back? Uh, no, they're they're really not that big, so I didn't feel pruning was necessary. Uh, like I said, about uh, three or four years old, but they're they're not that big. Well, I think what I would do is make sure that I am fertilizing regularly, um, and and really do a good job of examining the leaves and make sure you're not seeing any insect problems. Then maybe lightly cut them back by maybe a quarter, just to see if you can force some new growth and and bloom. But I, I probably would wait to do that all in the springtime. Um, it's a little late to be doing some of this stuff now, although you could certainly cut them back. But I would expect them to respond in the springtime if you, you give them some extra care. I mean, knockouts are usually pretty, pretty floriferous, so I'm surprised. Pruning, like maybe around Valentine's Day or something, David, but whether it's a beetle or rose sawfly or something, Lance, what would you say to, to any kind of pest or insect that is going to defoliate that rose bush without the leaves on it it's not going to be able to get the the sunlight and everything it needs for processes so wouldn't that probably slow the you know set of of buds yeah it would if that's what's happening um i mean if they're defoliated that would certainly reduce the number of blooms um but i'd certainly want to know why they were getting defoliated so and it's kind of hard to tell at this time of year because a lot of the pests are are gone or dormant. So, you know, keep a close eye on them in the spring. Definitely, David. I know you've been listening for a little bit. So the rose and flower care from BioAdvanced is really going to help out. And it's so important to, with any diseases or pests or anything we see on these plants, getting ahead of it or getting to it right as you see it. Right, Lance? Right. That's right. And the important thing also in terms of protecting pollinators is to make sure 
that you follow the label instructions. Um, and we're we're con- we're confident that if you do that, that it doesn't have a ne- negative impact on bee health. I will tell you that some of the products that are sprayed on the foliage, there has been some label changes there, and you are not allowed to spray those on plants that are in bloom. In other words, if you've got a rose problem and the roses are in bloom, you're going to have to cut the flowers off. We say cut a bouquet and then spray, Hmm. Um, and that's to protect pollinators because it is an insecticide. Um, If it's sprayed, it comes in contact directly with the pollinators that can uh, it can kill them. I mean, the same is true of a lot of organic products as well. But in terms of the systemic, um, the products are actually designed to flow through the xylem of the plant, which makes it, the product go into the leaves, the roots, and the stems. And it doesn't move through the phloem, which is, you know, primarily supplies the flowers. So um, it should not be getting into the flowers. And when we talk about integrated pest management or in the industry lands, IPM, I mean, that's really so big in this industry and being efficient yet environmentally safe in so many ways and in the, in the ways we go about thinking of determining problems and how to fix them. But that really science-based and decision-making, but it includes cultural, which is up to us really doing what we can first and foremost, physical methods, biological, and then you kind of get to chemical, like we're talking about with the roses. I don't want to say as a last resort, but oftentimes there are steps to be taken before you get to that point. That's for sure. Um, I live on a 17-acre citrus ranch, and and we follow IPM religiously here, um, releasing beneficials. A lot of that can happen, transfer to the garden too, planting plants that are going to attract beneficial insects. Um, getting used to accepting a little bit of damage. Don't expect to get the perfect vegetable every time. Um, getting out there and using products early on so mm-hmm. things don't get worse. Um, but pesticides are a tool. Um, you should use them when you need them, and you're the only one who's going to be able to determine when you need them. And if you're on the verge of losing some plants, you might want to consider to use those tools. But there, you should make sure that you go through all the other options first. Yeah, Lance, great advice. Well, I know we could spend a whole show on that, and we have a lot more to talk about, including the shelf life of maybe some of our granular or liquid, even bagged lawn fertilizers and other things. That's something I'm dying to know. So Lance Walheim with BioAdvance staying here right here on Green and Growing. Going to take a break, and we'll be back on WSB. That update on your weather is sponsored by Finley Roofing, and I am joined by Lance Walheim of BioAdvance. And Lance, one of the biggest topics I was most excited to talk to you about, because I found this in my mom's garage, in my own garage, garden products, bio-advanced lines that we have had for years, kind of forgot about, you put them up on a shelf and thought, oh no, there is no expiration date necessarily, like the things you find in your refrigerator. So do you have any rules of thumb on the shelf life of these things? Uh, Well, I do, actually. Um, I was thinking about that guy who called in about the knockout roses, and Mm -hmm. he said he only fertilized in spring. Don't forget that not that roses are heavy feeders. I recommend you feed them every four to six weeks, oh, yeah. and that'll increase the bloom. So I wanted to make sure he got that info. Good. And then, yeah, the products are designed to last at a minimum of two years. Okay. Um, if you've got products that are hanging around for years, and it also depends on how you've stored them. Uh, if you're storing them properly, they're going to last longer than that. But if you've had them around for a long time, particularly fertilizers, they start getting clumpy. Uh, if you're talking about weed and feed products or any granulars that are going to go on to a lawn or something like that, you're going to have a hard time getting them through the spreader. 
if they're all clumped. And so it, it depends on a number of things, but they're going to be a good for at least two years. But then you're faced with the question, okay, what are you going to do with these things once proper you've got disposal. these old products? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to go through the proper disposal rates but or procedures. But, I, you know, I recommend it's important that when you're buying these things that you don't, you only buy what you need because um, the best way to dispose of those products is actually to use them. Um, if your products are really old, uh, I don't know if it's worth it, and you better find out where they can be properly disposed of. But, um, you know, just buy what you're going to need, and then you won't be up against that. And who wants to store a bunch of that stuff around anyway? Exactly. Stuff gets handed down, and then you think, well, I'll get around to using that. Put it in a, a, a very prevalent place in your garage or in your greenhouse where you can walk by it and be reminded, I know I need to fertilize. I know I need to use this. Well, Lance Walheim is generous enough to stay with us through the next little bit of the show. So stay tuned to more of your garden calls at 404-872-0750 here on Green and Growing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.